Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 26. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel. Hey there, my friend. How are you? So excited to offer you another interview today. I have been so excited to have Molly Claire on this podcast because she is like a ninja when it comes to our thinking about parenting and how we just interact with our kids, how we show up as parents, particularly moms. And I know you guys are going to get so much out of this amazing episode. Oh my God, it was so good. I seriously could just go on and on about how great Molly is. So Molly is a master certified life coach. And so she specials in moms, but particularly working moms, as those moms who are listening probably are. So she focuses on the unique challenges that moms face from time management, productivity standpoints to the worries, guilt and overwhelm that can really wreak havoc on personal well-being. Her emphasis is on mindset and the way it impacts every aspect of our lives. And so she offers this coaching process that helps her clients to make lasting changes from the inside out. She says her goal is to show every woman that the vibrant, 
joyful life she craves is much closer than she thinks. So I think Molly is amazing. She's so good. She has written a new book that we're going to talk about on the interview. And she'll tell you all about how you can get it. I read this book ahead of time. And it was so good. I mean, like every point I was like, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I needed to hear it again for myself. Every time you hear it again, it's like, yes, that's a new point. How am I going to, you know, I'm struggling this way, that way. How am I going to apply this? And so for sure, you guys are going to love this. We set it up as a mini training where she really gives us a lot of really good information from her book. And for sure, you're going to want to read the rest of her book. It's so good. So please enjoy this interview and I will talk to you next week. Hi, Molly. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you? I'm so good. And I'm so happy you're on today. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) So exciting. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, so I know that myself and my listeners, all of us together, at least those of us who have children, because most of my listeners do of various ages, have issues parenting. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. raising humans is not an easy endeavor most of the time. And this is what you specialize in as a coach. And so I want to start off with you telling us a little bit about your story as a mom and how you came to coaching and who you work with now and all that stuff. Yeah, great. So from a young age, I always wanted to be a mom. And I was always passionate about having kids and teaching them and just being all in because that's kind of my personality. I'm all in. And I did. I had my kids. And for a long time, I was a stay-at-home mom. And I love watching and understanding their brain development, right? I was the one that loved all of the manipulatives and all the things that helped them to to become smarter and have new ways of thinking and all of that. And I just was really passionate about that. And I loved that. And in fact, for a while, I taught at a private preschool and loved that and really just was so interested in how I could help these kids improve. And it's interesting now, right? Because I do something similar. I'm basically Mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing for women and helping them to be able to change those neural pathways, to have better ways of thinking, to create a better experience of their life and essentially doing the same thing. So I've kind of combined my passion, you know, with my kids and watching and understanding that brain development and helping moms to be able to support them and empower them in a really hard job. Because, you know, that's one thing, even though I always wanted to be a mom, I sure didn't realize what it would require of me. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody really though? I mean, we think we know we're experts (laughs) until that first baby is born and then we're like, wait a minute. (laughs) I mean, I'm a pediatrician. I thought I was an expert and I'm like, what is this human being I have to do? I know. (laughs) Absolutely. So So your kid age ranges right now are, what are your age ranges right now? Yeah. So my oldest is, he's going to be 15 actually. When this airs, he'll be 15. So. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and then so high school. he's in high school. Yep, he will be a sophomore this year. And then I have a middle schooler. He's 12. And then I have a six-year-old little girl who is wild. So. <laughs> yeah, I have two boys and then a girl too. And she, the girl, is like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so fun and so amazing. And so, wow. 
Yeah. Headstrong, <laughs> like determined. She is going to make things happen in her life. Exactly so. what I try to remind myself of yes. like every 15 minutes. <laughs> yes. I'm along for the ride here. <laughs> That's right. I, I often see some things in her that I know I did as a kid too. And so I try to tell myself, I turned out okay. Yes. <laughs> she will too. This will be fine. It's yes. Good. Yes. I'm really excited because your new book is coming out. It's called The Happy Mom Mindset. I had the opportunity to read it ahead of time and it is so good. I mean, literally every chapter, every couple sentences, my brain was just going, yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Oh, I need to remember that. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so for sure, at the end of this episode, we're going to tell everybody how they can get your book and learn more information about working with you and finding out more about you. But what we're going to do today on the podcast is we're going to do a little mini training on the three keys to happiness as a mom. And I'm super excited about this because yes, it's all, it's all like, I don't even know what to say besides yes, everyone needs to hear this. It's so good. So Let's start with the first key, and that is us feeling like we need to solve every problem. Yes, yes. So, of course, the the keys to happiness that I'm talking about today are, of course, ways of thinking, right? Our mindsets that we've adopted, thought patterns we have that are causing us all kinds of problems, <laughs> right? Specifically, worry, feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, all those kind of mom emotions that we think just have to go along with motherhood yes. are really just a result of our thinking. So, yeah, the first one is, and this is kind of, I talk in my first chapter about mom autopilot, which is this idea of, I talk more detailed about how it manifests itself of kind of this automatic way of responding to our kids. But this specifically is kind of a subset of that, of this mindset of believing that we need to solve every problem that comes to us. And it makes sense that we do this. It's kind of like you were just saying when, you know, you bring your child home from the hospital and all of a sudden your response, like every time they move, you know, it means something and you have to figure out what it means. Exactly. And you are in charge of solving every problem when they're a baby, yes. you know, so the first couple of years of life, that is actually your job. I think it's the, you know, the transition from whenever you just, you know, need to start backing off a couple of years of age to they leave your home where they really are, you know, they're doing it all on their own. That's what we really struggle with. Exactly. And it is the thing is something you have to always revisit, right? Because there are things you won't need to solve as they're, you know, one, two, three. And, and I work with women who have, you know, college age kids, and they're still having to navigate and figure this out. Mm -hmm. So essentially, this mindset is and I'll, I'll just I'll give you an example. And I talk about this in my book, I had a women's coaching group that I was leading. And one of the women came to me kind of asking about her son, he had a problem with someone on his little league team and she was asking my advice because of course I'm a life coach so I know everything right I don't have <laughs> right? Advice, or so we think but like any good coach knows the best thing I can do is ask her the right questions and what I asked her was does he want your help with this problem and we'll call her Sarah Sarah was quiet when I asked that kind of in shock and the whole group went quiet you know and one person said wait what what did you say? <laughs> and you know what, what we realized as I asked her some more questions is that she came to realize that actually her son really didn't need her help. And he was solving this problem 
pretty well on his own. And so for Sarah, you know, she assumed this was a problem, but it was really just her mindset of believing that when her son came to her with a problem, that she needed to take it on as her own. And she didn't. And so, and that was, of course, creating for her a lot of excess worry, you know, feeling overwhelmed and just jumping into problem solving when she didn't need to. Right. And the last thing we need is one more thing on our plate. I was going to say, we're creating all, you know, we feel so overwhelmed and like there's too much, but you know, we're creating a lot of that for ourselves. So if you can just unload the parts that you're not even responsible for, by yes. default, you're going to feel lighter and like you have more brain capacity to handle what you really do need to handle on your own. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, with this, I mean, really the key to having a shift in this mindset, I just want to offer a couple of things. First of all, thinking about creating a pause. Like if you think about a pause button between the time when your kids come to you with a problem and when you react or jump into problem solving mode. And, you know, for for your listeners, just kind of take a minute and think about the last time that your kids came to you and dropped a problem at your feet. Kind of think about what was your reaction? Did you start giving advice? Did you jump into solving the problem? Did you reach out to a friend? What is your initial reaction? And that kind of is going to help you gauge where you are in, you know, this mindset. But I love the idea of visualizing creating a pause between when the problem is laid at your feet and when you react to it. And when you create a pause to kind of think about it, you can use the tool. It's a simple tool of curiosity, right, where you can start to ask yourself some of these questions. Is this my problem to solve? Does he want my help? Does he need my help? Is this something I want him to solve on his own? And so just by asking those little simple questions, it's amazing how many fewer problems you will take on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing is that this is automatically going to allow your kids the space to problem solve on their own so much more. Give them the opportunity to try to work it out on their own. Exactly. And also a great benefit of it is that you're really cultivating a good relationship with your kids because they're going to know they can come to you without you always just giving them advice or getting in their business. And so the benefits of this small shift are huge. You know, they, it makes such a difference. And like I said, it's something you're going to want to revisit again and again, because with each age, right, there are going to be fewer and fewer problems that we need to solve. Right. You know, what's so interesting about this. I was just thinking the parallel to how, you know, we as women want to jump in and help our kids because, you know, I think it's, it's like a primal thing, you know, it's like mama bear, right? Like my child is threatened, you know, like our, our primitive brain is like, no, for real, something bad's going to happen because they got a C on a test, you know, or something like that. But you know what I, when you think about, you know, marriage relationships, right? Like, so, you know, I mean, not to be too general in terms of, you know, how men and women function, but women tend to really not like it when they, you know, tell their spouses or their partners about what is going on for them. And then the men try to immediately problem solve everything. And it's like, no, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to just listen to me, you know, but then we turn around to do the exact same thing for our kids. Yes, that's it's so, so true. Yeah, so, so interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you kind of see that. It's like, hmm, okay, I can see why they, I don't like it when people treat me that way. So no. my kids wouldn't like it if they're treated the same way. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Are we ready for the second key? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the next one. Well, what we want to do is not believe that we are responsible for our kids' happiness. This is so good. Oh my gosh. 
Right? Like this is, yes. this is just, I think what's so interesting about all of these is this is just how our culture is. Like everyone around you acts this way, talks this way, thinks this way. Of course you would think this way. Nothing's yes. wrong with you as a mom if you haven't figured this stuff out. Possibly you had a mom who kind of modeled for you you know, to give you space or things like that. But a lot of us didn't have a mom like that. And so when we look around, if everybody else is miserable and frustrated and overwhelmed and stressed out, like, I guess this is what modern mothering is, except it doesn't have to be that way. And that's why this is so good. Okay. So tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, essentially it's this idea that we believe or we feel responsible for our kids' happiness. And I think that, you know, this kind of shows up in a lot of ways, but even thinking about how it is for you when your kids are unhappy, right? When they're mad because they don't want to clean their room or, you know, that they're throwing a tantrum, whatever, depending on the age they are, right? It's so hard for us because we have this belief that our kids should always be happy or most of the time, right? We want them Mm -hmm. to be grateful and respectful and happy and have a good attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is funny because we expect them to be that way, but we totally don't have that all the time, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. It's crazy. I know how we do that. And this is what causes us really to overextend ourselves, to overspend and to just be frustrated a lot in motherhood when we really don't need to be nearly as often, right? Or ever for that matter. But. Right. I think this is, it, this is hard though. And, and I want you to speak to this is like when you really have a child who's miserable and really being okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you've talked about this on your podcast before, because we trained obviously with Brooke as well and know all the same tools and everything that it's so helpful to me to remember that my kids are going to be unhappy about half of the time. Right. Right. And, and just, that's normal. That's like in, normal. on a good day. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's nice to know that it is normal and to expect it. And even better for me to recognize that by allowing them to experience those negative emotions, I'm setting them up for emotional success as an adult because they have to learn how to experience and process and deal with all of those emotions. And if I'm always just trying to squash them out of them and take responsibility for making them happy, they're not going to learn how to make themselves happy. Right. Right. So many adults don't know how to do that, you know, and then, you know, my listeners, most of us, we turn to food. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We outsource our happiness, right? It's crazy. So I feel like definitely just thinking about this idea and remembering that your kids are going to be unhappy about half the time and that by allowing them to experience those negative emotions, you're really helping to facilitate a healthy process of growing up is so useful. And And remembering that I can be grounded in my own emotions, right? And I can be happy. I can be content. I can feel at peace. I can feel however I want to feel no matter what they're experiencing. Yes. And the best part about that is if I'm grounded in my own emotional state and I'm okay, I'm in a much better place to actually help them, right? Mm -hmm. If they are upset so that they can come to me and I don't need to get all wrapped up and entangled in their emotions, but I can just allow them to have theirs and I can handle mine like an adult. Yeah. Which is what we all strive to do. Right. (laughs) I know. You know what I have been working on with my daughter a lot is just, 
you know, this belief that I have that she should somehow be different than she is, right? You know, so when she's three and acting like a three-year-old, now she just turned four. It's so funny, like from the outside, I can see that, like how shocked I am that she's acting like a three-year-old. Like, how dare she, you know? Yes, exactly. Extrapolate this to any age, right? Like, how dare my teenager act like a teenager? Well, what did you think was going to happen? Part of the issue for me is that I compare her to my sons who were much more even keel in temperament. I mean, did they have their moments for sure? But whether, you know, it's also possible that I'm older and I'm just not remembering clearly either. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like when they were that age. I hear you. (laughs) But yeah, like just really this idea of, you know, accepting whatever she's like when she wakes up is where she's supposed to be for the day. And if that means she's incredibly whiny, crying about everything, I mean, being ridiculous, which is, of course, my thought about what she's doing. (laughs) It's not a neutral fact, but, you know, just the idea of like, that is apparently the day she needs to have and I can still be calm and content and talk with her nicely. My husband and I were talking a few weeks ago and I said, you know, I've been trying to just you know, really control my emotions and talk to her in a nice tone of voice, even when it seems like it's getting just so over the top. And she really does respond well. So no, of course, she may not change at all. I can't control what she does or how she receives the way I show up for her. But somehow, at least my perspective of what she's doing is better or I'm kind of diffusing things a little bit more. It really does work is my point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's that emotional responsibility, right? And yes. when we can step into that place of our own emotional responsibility and allow our kids to own theirs, it's yes, huge. It's so good. And I, you know, I talked about that in my book when I talked about like the moody child, right? Because we all have that one that's a little more sensitive or moody or whatever. And, you know, for me, I had a lot of thoughts around my moody child, like something's wrong with him. And I was getting so caught up in it and so worried about it that my thoughts were creating excessive worry. And then I wasn't showing up in the most supportive way for him because I was so worried. And I think you also then set your brain to point out all the ways that he is moody or not like the other kids or not like your other kids or how he should be different versus like looking at all the times when he's not moody. He's probably not moody hundred percent of the time, you know, like, and really enjoying those like, Oh, look, he's in a good mood. That's great. You know, it's like, we will see what we set our brains to see. So the more we worry and focus on that, the more we see it. It's like the classic, like when you're pregnant, everybody seems pregnant because you've Mm -hmm. got pregnancy on the brain and you're, and you're noticing all of that. So that's. Yeah, exactly. And then the catastrophizing too, right? Like for me, I always like envision like they're going to be in jail. They're going to like, <laughs> there's this terrible scenario, right? They're never going to find a wife because they're so right. And we just like, make up this crazy story in our head. And they're like 45 and living in our basement still. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not useful thoughts at all. Yeah, so, yep, totally, yeah. totally. So, okay. And our third one is um, believing we're responsible for our kids' success. And I think yes. this goes, kind of goes hand in hand with the happiness. I mean, they're two separate issues. Yes. Also very charged, especially when you have parents who are high achievers. Yes. Line, which my listeners are. Yes, I know. I was thinking about that as I was coming on. This is like, you know, I coach moms, but I kind of, I feel like the people who I really reach, I call them high achieving nurturers <laughs> because that's really what they are, right? They're mm-hmm. the kind that go all in, go for it. And there's, they care so much about doing a good job. And this one, the 
the success, I kind of call like the happiness and the success thing. They're kind of like the twins of this, right? It's taking Mm -hmm. responsibility for their happiness and taking responsibility for their success. You know, when we have this mindset of believing that we're responsible for our kids' success, again, we end up creating so much pressure for ourselves and worry, and we become so controlling of our kids, (laughs) right? And when you think about success, I mean, this is going to be different for everyone. Your version of success may be academic success. It may be athletic success. It may be that you want your kids to be kind, generous, you know, positive contributors to society and that's your version of success, it kind of doesn't really matter what it is. But whatever you envision for your kid and what success looks like for them, if you're trying to make them successful, it will never, ever work. And I think that, as I said, this, it creates not only a lot of that worry um, and causing us to be controlling, but of course, the controlling part breeds a lot of contention in our relationships. And it also crosses over into preventing them from creating their success even sooner. Yeah, right. right? Slowing them down because I always find it interesting there. Every now and then I've worked with a client who doesn't really want to totally be thin because then their mother will get what she always wanted, which was a thin mm. child. Do we really want to be that mom in our relationship with our child, you know, especially as they age? Of course. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, it's also well-intended, right? We oh, want our kids to be happy and we want right. them to have something great. And so it's also well-intended, but our brain just confuses us and we do things that are yeah. not the most useful. Also, the only reason we ever want anything is because of how we think it will make us feel. So if they succeed and they get into a good college or they get an athletic scholarship or they are saving the whales, then we'll have <laughs> thoughts about that. And that will make us feel good. And I think that's a really good point. Like, why do I want this so much? Why do I feel like I have to control this so much? Because I think it will make me feel better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So important to look at that because that's that's the driving force behind it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, and one thing I always emphasize is that success cannot be given. It has to be created. And our kids are the ones that create it. We can't create it for them. And the way they create it, of course, is by failing, right? By dropping the ball, by not showing up, by figuring out what it is they even want so that they can cultivate within themselves the desire to achieve what they want. They can have the drive and they can create it. And so just remembering that success, it cannot be given. It has to be created. Always helps me take a step back and acknowledge that my child, they're their own person, right? And they have their own things that they value. And if I can give them a little bit of space, kind of like the happiness thing, right? If I can give them a little bit of space, I'm really giving them this gift of allowing them to figure out what success is for them and figure out how they will create it. Yeah. So So let's talk about a little spinoff of that though. So say you have a child who is really just not doing the typical things that would create success that we expect, like, you know, really just doing very poorly in school, not involved in anything, you know, we give them space and all they want to do is just sit on PlayStation all day and night. And they're just kind of not doing anything at all that we think is moving them in that right direction. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? Because I think it's all great when you have kids who are doing well. You're like, okay, I just need to like step back a little. But when you really have a kid where you're like, no, now I'm like 
seriously worried, you know? Yes. What's going to yeah. happen here? No, it's a great point. And I think it's it's kind of tricky to answer just because I don't think there's ever a blanket answer for it, a blanket statement over what the answer is because it is so individual. One of my kids has dealt with some depression. One thing I do think is always good advice is to really follow your intuition and tune into what you know is best and what your kids need. And just don't deny that because that's one of the things I work a lot with my clients is that there's, we have so much information, right? And so there's this help center and there's that, and there's this article about parenting that we think that all the answers are outside of us. And they're yeah. not. They're oh, always so good. no. And so I think with those situations, I still agree that the success cannot be given, but there may be some other things that you need to look at helping your child to be able to make sure that they're functioning in a you know good and healthy way and all of that. So I don't know that that's a good answer for your question exactly because it's kind of you know yeah. general. I, it's hard without a specific example. I think yes. what it comes down to is we often think we know what's best for them, especially as they're getting older, like in high school school or early adulthood, you know, still thinking that, you know, he or she would be happy in this kind of career, you know, this is going to be the ticket or they're not going to be able to support their family if they're going to keep doing this kind of a thing or, you know, maybe want to become a professional artist or, you know, like we, again, catastrophizing, right? We're coming up with this idea of like, it's going to be so hard for them. It would be such an easier life for them if they did it a different way. And, and one way I like to look at it, especially for the people who have children who are our adult age is, you know, reminding myself and asking them to remind themselves that, you know, we can't ever possibly know what is the best thing for another adult ever. And we may have opinions, we may have ideas of what we think might be the, you know, the best thing for them, but we don't really know for sure. And so for me, that's kind of like that separation of, yeah, I have all kinds of opinions, but really he is going to be the one who's going to be able to figure this out. What if this is perfect? What if I knew that in 10 years, he'd have a million dollars, would I be okay with this, you know, this right now? It's, you know, like what we get upset about is, is just the unknown. And then we create that story that everything's going to fall apart. And again, it's mama bear coming out like, no, just listen to me. Yeah. And then we won't die. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree. And, you know, even, you know, this idea that what you believe success is for your child may not be their version of success right. for them. Exactly. You know, and I have, as I said, one of my kids, he's very artistic. And actually, it's interesting because I was thinking that he was not motivated, but I've actually found that he's kind of paralyzed with fear of not being able to succeed. So totally different mm -hmm. than what I thought, right? My yeah. interpretation. And the way I came to that is when I got to that point where I was open to this idea that I don't know what his success looks like. I don't know what's valuable to him. Maybe this isn't the path for him. And when I opened that up, it kind of just created a space where he and I were able to really connect and I understood what was going on for him. But, you know, back to what you were saying, I agree 100%. It really takes, we kind of have to let go. Yeah. We have to let go of believing that we know what is best for them. So when I, you know, when, when I say I feel, it seems like I'm contradicting myself, but when I talk about like our intuition and listening to what we know is best, it's as far as what we know is best for how we show up. 
but yeah. it doesn't mean we know what's best <laughs> for our kids or what they should do. So there's yeah, definitely a distinction there. Yeah, that's a really good distinction. Yeah. Like if you're really concerned that your child is, you know, suicidal, you're not going to be like, it's just their journey. You know, <laughs> right. like I can't possibly know what's best for them. I mean, clearly you are going to do something about it, but that doesn't mean that you're going into panic mode, right? You can really think, okay, clearly I think I need to step in in terms of figuring out what resources are available, what would work, you know, if he needs to be admitted to an inpatient unit, where does our insurance allow us to go? You know, like there's a lot of things that you can do to encourage that, but you can't make them better. Right. Like they have to want it and do the work themselves. Yeah. I think that gets really tricky. That's a, that's a hard line to cross where a lot of parents are like, you know, but when people's lives are on the line, like, hold on a second, that's different than like siblings fighting over a toy, you know, is the, the gravity of the situation, but ultimately it still ends up being the same thing, right? You can go into research mode, figuring everything out, like learning, yet still showing up for your child, asking them, what can I do to help you? I love yeah. you. I care about you. I would like to help you to feel better. You know, these are options I've come up with. Could we discuss this? Yeah. And work through it that way. But, you know, on a different note, I just recently was talking to one of my clients and she was talking about how she not only is a doctor, so a high achiever academically, but she was very accomplished as a softball player when she was younger. And so her daughter now has been playing softball but isn't really into it. My client even kind of delayed signing her daughter up for softball with the idea of like, shoot, if she doesn't like it, then then I'll be so disappointed. And you know, as these things go, her daughter is not that into it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she's so sad and upset about it. I think that's so interesting because we just look at it like this brought so much joy to me you know, I mean, really, I think for many, many, many years for her. And so she's so disappointed that her daughter isn't getting the same joy out of that. I think that's such a common thing. You know, we want to live our lives, you know, again, uh, through our kids, or we see some potential and we go, you know, I would have loved to have been like a elite level gymnast. You look like you're pretty good at it. Okay, come on, we're doing this as though it's almost their athletic career as well. So how do you approach that with a client? Yeah, I think, I mean, just a lot of thought work, right? (laughs) Because, I mean, really what you're wanting is you're wanting your kids to have that same joy and just that reminder that what brings you joy may not be what brings them joy, you know? And so drawing that line between your life and your happiness, right, and how you create the feelings you're seeking and how you can allow them to create theirs. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's so interesting too. I think we just sort of have this assumption that it will run in the family because sometimes it does, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a doctor once, he had five sons and they were all super high level swimmers. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember asked him one time, was there ever one kid who just was kind of like, yeah, I'm not that into swimming. You know, like, could I do something yeah. else? And you're like, no, we're going to swimming. He's like, no, they all wanted to do it. I think we see that and then we think, oh, okay, that's how our kids should be. Rather yeah. than just looking at like, you know, this is what I'm able to offer. You know, when you're a working mother and, you know, working parent, it's that much harder to get kids everywhere without completely like, you know, your brain like <laughs> sizzling and <laughs> trying to work the schedule out, uh-huh. so, you know, and then just really looking at what do they want to do? You know, I remember thinking to myself, okay, my job is to provide opportunities as long as it works for the entire family. So that didn't mean that my oldest got all these opportunities and my little ones barely ever got to get the nap that they needed. So I just remember, you know, thinking it's not fair for my little kids to be 
dragged all over the place, not getting the naps that they need. Like it's not fair to them for my oldest to get all these opportunities. Like it has to be kind of spread evenly amongst everybody. And that's even now, like for the summer, you know, there's so many different things you can do. And so you just have to look at it like, okay, I'm not going to be able to provide everything. We're going to pick you know, one thing or two things for everybody. And that's what we're going to be able to do. And really our thinking is what makes that okay. You know, it doesn't have to be like, but they're going to need this because the only way you can get into, you know, college athletics is if you're at this level and on this select team by this age and right, like let them just have their own journey through it and see if that works. I mean, I know for our family in particular, a team like an athletic team where the kids, you know, are traveling where we have to stay in hotel overnight most weekends is just not going to work. You know, if we had one child, I think, you know, maybe we could consider that if that's something that they wanted, but that just won't work for our family. It might work for other people's families, but without family help and stuff like that, it's just not going to work for us. So we've kind of drawn that line in the sand. And if there's an opportunity that involves that, we're going to let that one go. And if there's an opportunity that doesn't involve that, then, you know, we'll look into it and we'll take it into account. And, yeah. you know, just kind of look at it that way, which is, yeah, I mean, we all want them to, our kids to succeed, mm-hmm. especially when we have been high level achievers ourselves. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. It's and doctors, it, I tell you. I know, it's <laughs> hard. Short. Well, and I think about too, and this is kind of different, a different version of success, but I, and I talk about this story in my, in my book of when I remember when my kids were little and I had my first child and part of success was teaching him manners, right? Him knowing how to say please and thank you and to be gracious. And I taught him that and he took it on, right? And he was the please and thank you king. And he was so polite and, you know, pat myself on the back. I did it, right? I succeeded. Yeah. (laughs) And then I had my second one. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute, what happened? Right? Because I did the same thing but he didn't respond the same way. And so the success I wanted for him, right, which was a reflection of me, of course, and my parenting wasn't there. And so, you know, this is an easy example to see at a distance, right? Because it's clearly the child that's not really taking on what we're teaching. But I think, you know, it's good to draw that line and understand what your responsibility is, like you were saying, to provide those opportunities, right? My responsibility is to, in that case, to teach manners, to show them when it's, you know, important to do that and to model it and all of that. But then my son got to decide what he did with that, right? And certainly there's a place for me to continue to teach, but it's your kid's responsibility to take what's given to them and do what they will with it. And that's where we kind of have to let go. And that's... you might be on them for 18 years of please and thank you. And as adults, they might never say please and thank you. Like, right. can that be okay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, a big thing for us is table manners. I mean, we're on our kids like crazy about table manners for a variety of reasons. And I have to remind myself sometimes, like they still might eat like slobs mm-hmm. <laughs> when they leave my house. Yeah. All I can control is what's appropriate in my house right now. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think by drawing that line too, it allows you to be so much more mature about it, right? And and impactful in the way that you approach it and enforce it rather than getting frustrated or irritated because why aren't you learning this? Why aren't you doing this? That's that controlling, wanting to force that success on them. I definitely go there sometimes too, though. Well, you know, (laughs) we're all human. That's why I wrote a book. (laughs) I'm getting better at 
at it though. I'm getting better at it though. So, all right, Molly, this is so good. Oh my gosh, this is such great information. Every parent can really get so much out of this. I know they can for sure. So tell us how we can get your book and the workbook that accompanies it. Yeah. So, so my book, it just came out last month. And if you go to my website, mollyclaire.com, you'll see a tab there to be able to purchase the book. And the great thing is it's still in the launch phase. So it's only 99 cents for the Kindle version, which is so great. And the really great thing as well is that you can actually purchase either version, whether it's the Kindle or the paperback. But after you purchase the book, you'll see also on my website that there is a button you can click to get a free workbook. And the workbook will go hand in hand with the book, takes you through, it's like a coach in your Kindle. Yes. And it will go hand in hand with everything I do in the book and help you really figure out how to apply it to your own life which is really where the magic yes. happens, right? Where you- I think it's so easy for us with this, you know, kind of personal development stuff. To, it's like intellectually, we take it in. We're like, yes, oh yes, it totally makes sense. But then the way we actually are showing up in our lives and with our kids is just not reflective of that. So yeah, I can, I mean, I know you agree, which is why you created a workbook, but I know for a fact for myself when I'm actually going through a workbook and even like physically writing things down, how it makes such a difference for me than just kind of like, you know, hearing about it, learning about it, like, oh yeah, that's an interesting concept and, you know, really applying it. I definitely recommend everybody work through that because that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, And then you also have a little mini book as well on your website, right? Yeah. So what I'll actually do if for people who are interested in, I have, it's a happiness mini book. So it really helps you with that second thing we talked about here on the podcast of separating out your kid's happiness from your happiness. And what I'm actually going to do is there's a phone number that your listeners can text to get access to it. So they can text 678-506-7543 and just text Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, and that will get them access to that. It's an editable workbook that they can do, and it'll just target that one little issue and really help them figure out what their brain is doing and how they can make a shift there to have better happiness for themselves and allow their kids to be an emotional roller coaster sometimes. I think it's actually really good to focus on one concept like that. You know, it can be so overwhelming when we start learning this stuff and we're like, well, I'm like basically screwing everything up and I know it's my <laughs> fault now. So great. You know, it's so overwhelming. Now I got another thing I've got to, you know, fix or deal with. So I think, you know, looking at it, like I'm going to, just going to work on this one thing. I'm going to really work on my own happiness, my own self and letting them be them. Then you're going to start being able to extrapolate those skills to like the success type of thing and other issues that you're having. With exactly. Or even any other relationships, really. Definitely recommend everybody does that. Can they get the mini book on your website too? Right now, it's not just because I don't want too many things overwhelming <laughs> okay. the site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they could certainly, I mean, if they, if the text, if they have an issue with that, they could always email me just molly at mollyclaire.com. Okay. And I'd great. be more than happy to send it over. So okay, it's great. Pretty so M O L L Y C L A I R E. Yes, yes, that's it. Okay, all yep. together. Perfect. Yeah. Molly, this is so great. Thank all you so much. All of you listeners out there, you need to <laughs> hire Molly immediately. No, what you need to do is you need to get her book. And then you also, we didn't mention this, you do work with people one-on-one and in a group setting, right? For yes. For someone who really wants to work, like focus on their parenting. 
Yes, no, exactly. Good. And, right. and, you know, and, and we say parenting, it's really kind of the insecurities and inadequacies of motherhood, like all of yeah. those feelings that we experience is really what I help women with. And so it, it's personal, right? It's a personal yeah. coach for them to help them show up in the best way that they can be grounded in themselves, create what they want in life so that they're a better mom. Right, right. So, yeah. So you can yeah. create that experience of being a mom, like have it be the experience they always thought it would be. Like there was a reason they thought they should have kids or they wanted to have kids. And yes. I think so many of us are like, wait a minute, I thought it was going to be a lot different than this and PS better. Yes, <laughs> I know, right? So you, what you do is you help people to make it better, like create that experience. Yeah. And I think too, especially because we can get so wrapped up in our kids that we kind of lose ourselves and we think that our kids situation has to change so that we can feel better. And so, you know, by helping them to be able to separate themselves out from their kids, it's just great in so many ways. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I think it just brings such like peace to, you know, just knowing, even knowing that that's just available to me is really, really helpful. Even if I'm not creating it for myself all the time, it is always available to me. (laughs) Yes. Versus just feeling like it's hopeless. Like this is just this like situation I'm stuck in and there's nothing I can do about it. Yes, exactly. Because motherhood lasts a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Till you die, probably, hopefully. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good, Molly. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. It's so great to be with you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now, take the next step and go to KatrinaUbellMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.